Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If I could humbly request the brothers who are in the lobby, who are in the back, if you could please come inside. And those who are inside, inshallah, if you can please come forward. Jazakumullahu khairan. As was mentioned earlier, Mufti Sahib will be addressing us, inshallah, on the topic of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een and the miracles which were performed in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mufti Azimuddin, as many of us know, after completing his hifz, he went to South Africa, wherein he studied the traditional alim program, the seven-year course. Thereafter, he completed his ifta also, Darul Ulum Zakaria. After returning to the United States, Mufti Saab served as an imam for many years. And then after that, alhamdulillah, he founded this beautiful masjid, Darul Salam, as well as the madrasa, which is adjacent to this masjid. Inshallah, without further ado, we humbly request Mufti Saab to bless us with his words of wisdom. Jazakumullahu khairan. Also in the side prayer hall, right now there is a Tanweer open house which is taking place. So those who are interested in the one year program or would like to get more information or have any questions with regards to the program, inshallah that will be taking place in the side prayer hall which is to my left side. Jazakumullahu khairan. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanaka la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanaka la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanaka la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Allahumma nawir qulubna bi'ilmik wa istamil abdanana li ta'atik wa wafiqna lima tuhibu wa tarda min qawli wal amali wal fi'li wal niyati wal huda. Innaka ala kulli shayin qadir. Ya wahabu, ya wahabu, ya wahabu, ya fattahu, ya fattahu, ya fattahu, ya jabbaru, ya jabbaru, ya jabbaru, ya jabbaru. Qalallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beloved brothers and sisters, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant all of us ikhlas in our speaking, ikhlas in our listening, and whatever we hear and we share, we ask Allah azza wa jal to enable all of us to put the good of it into practice and to share it with others. And we ask Allah azza wa jal to allow the knowledge that we have gained and are gaining to make it a proof for us on the day of judgment and not a proof against us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow the remaining hours of this blessed, beautiful conference that we're all attending to make it a means of some... Uh, real life uh, changes that we, you and I can make and allow us to gain that spiritual strength and the necessary rejuvenation that will allow us to uh, make uh, some required changes in our life that will bring us closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi on the day of judgment and that will make us worthy of his shafa'a and intercession and in this short session that we have between now and Maghrib we ask Allah Azza wa to allow us to uh, hear whatever we most, uh, we are all most in need of. Amin Rabbil Alameen. So the uh, topic here is of Sahaba radiallahu anhum arda. How Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa we've been speaking about the miraculous nature of Rasulullah sallallahu and the miracles of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. And it's such an important topic, alhamdulillah, which have, has been spoken about and I hope and I pray that this has been received well by our attendees and audience and they understand uh, uh, what is happening. The, one of the last questions um, in the last Q&A session that we just had before Asr, one of the questions was, was how can you please share some more miracles? How can we uh, 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 you know, increase our faith in miracles? This was one of the questions. I don't know if it was addressed or not, but uh, that was one of the questions as well. So you see that this is an issue that people are um, dealing with, where 
they feel very uncomfortable listening about these issues and they know those who are sitting here mashallah you're here because you want to learn because you are already alhamdulillah guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be on this path but there are thousands of others who are uh, not aware or are aware of miracles but then they unfortunately are very skeptical about it and and so what we, that's why this, these sessions are just uh, hopefully a way to get things started at home and our own personal journey um, and understand as Sheikh Tahseen answered very nicely of someone who's saying that the moon is a split or not, uh, the NASA shows that it maybe it's not split. So the thing is our deen cannot be based on NASA. Our deen cannot be based on, seriously, honestly, this deen cannot be based on a scientific method. The deen cannot be based on the five senses. The deen cannot be based on empirical data. Deen cannot be based on stats of some sort, studies of some sort. It cannot. It cannot. Otherwise, you and I are going to be in big trouble because the years ahead of us are going to be filled with all sorts of data and technology and all sorts of other things that will be used to uh, 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 to to create within all of us, uh, you know, doubt. The incidents, the events that are happening as we speak right now, the events that are happening as we speak right now um, in Gaza, uh, and every one of us is well aware. What is one of the one? Well, what is one of the things? That hopefully, you understand. Is although it may be reported by the so-called most trustworthy uh, news outlets in the world, not one, not two, not three, not four, tens of them, and although those statements are repeated by the heads of states of the most powerful countries of the world and are repeated by the leaders of the so-called free world but they're 100% lies 100% lies fabricated out of thin air just because you have a million people repeating it and a million journalists repeating it and hundreds and tens of politicians repeating it does not make a lie into haq and truth what you and I should understand from what we're seeing is stop believing what you see Stop believing in what you hear. Stop believing, uh, you know, anyone who just stands up and says, you know, I'm a politician, I'm a president, I'm a prime minister, you have to trust what I say. Even though they say it with such a straight face. They may even get emotional as they're speaking to you. They can say it in front of tens of... This is what the past few terms have shown us in this country, at least has shown me, is how a person can so nonchalantly, with such a relaxed manner, just look at the cameras of the whole world and just lie. Lie out of every cell of the body. And, and you know, and they have absolutely no, no sense of shame. I shouldn't say it's happened only in the past two presidencies. It's happened, of course, before that as well. But uh, the, this is something what we're learning, that we need to, we, we are fools if we don't learn from this. That we cannot say, but the scientist said that, but the researcher said that, but Fulan said this, but Fulan said that. If something goes contradicting to our deen, we must follow wahi and revelation and that's it. Just like you and I, all of you are on the same page when it comes to this, by saying stop believing what the more famous newspapers and web, uh, the, the news sources of news are sharing about the crisis, there's a lot of fake things happening, a lot of lying, a lot of AI, a lot of other things are being used to uh, misrepresent the realities of the ground. I think all of you brothers and sisters who might be listening here, agree with me on that. But let's take that to the next step forward. In it come, when it comes to matters of deen, right now as well, if the Qur'an says something, if the hadith says something, done. We have to say, no matter who says what, we're not going to believe in that. And that level of faith in the unseen is what is required to succeed the battles ahead. The battles ahead is with the battle against the forces of Dajjal. That will be, Dajjal means 
you know, misrepresentation. Dajjal means lies. Dajjal means confusion. And that's exactly what you're seeing happening as we speak. So if a person is gullible, and what does I mean by gullible? You don't, you don't follow karama, you don't follow ma'jiza, you don't follow Quran and sunnah. Those things seem to be uh, skeptical and doubtful. But if, if CNN says it, or well, you know, I don't want to give any news names, but any, any, any web famous um, source of news says it, then how can, I, how can that be right? So we are going to be coming to that era where Dajjal will come, and the last one of the people he will kill, is when you kill a person and he will gather the crowd and he says, I'm God. And people say, no, you're not God. He says, no, I'm. Watch what I do. He'll gather people together and, slice, and he'll take a person and he says, I'm going to kill you. And he slices him in half. And then, see, I killed him. I'm God. And then he will do his magic and he will have that person come back to life. So then he will look at the crowd and he say, don't you see how I brought this person back to life? Am I not your supreme Lord? Most people will fall for it. The man who he did this to will say, I have only increased in my yaqeen that you are Dajjal, that you're not God. Whoa, how is that? Because my Nabi already told me this thousands of years ago. This person will be knowledgeable of hadith. He will know hadith. He will have ilm of deen. And so he will look at Dajjal into his eyes and say, you're the biggest liar. But I just brought you back to life. I don't care what you've done. Because my Nabi already told me that you're going to do this. He, obviously he probably didn't know it was going to be him but it will be that lucky individual who will be subhanAllah the manifestation of this hadith after this Dajjal will never be able to do this to anyone else this will be the last person he will seal his fate he will be the nail in the coffin for Dajjal and after that soon after the Isa salam, Allah will kill him at his hands but the, the point when you read the Kitab al-Fitan in, this, in this book of uh, the chapters of trials and tribulations what you and I will come to a conclusion is that we have to be at a level of faith in the unseen that we have the capacity to deny everything that meets our eye. Everything that we hear, that we sense, that we feel. And our own experience, life's experience, humanity's experience. For example, one of the beautiful hadith that I think manifests this point very clearly is a hadith where Rasulullah speaks about that I am more aware that what... Uh, tools of deception Dajjal will carry And part of the tools of deception That Dajjal will carry will He'll have two rivers flowing with him Wherever he goes And he will ask people to come and drink People are thirsty Maybe he'll shut off the sources of water People will be forced to drink from his rivers However The two rivers will be quite different One of them will be Will be clean crystal clear water and the other one will be narun ta'ajjij, will be flowing, crackling lava. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, if any one of you comes face to face with one of these two rivers, he's giving advice, he's ordering us, that if that sad day comes where you have to face one of these two rivers, and you are faced with Dajjal and his two rivers, then make sure, close your eyes. Because what I'm about to ask you to do is going to be very hard. Close your eyes. Well, you Lower your head and put your mouth to the crackling fire and the flowing lava. And with your eyes open, how are you going to do that? Your eyes, your natural body reaction, your knee-jerk reaction will be this. You can't put your mouth to that. How, how could you? Especially when no one's forcing you. He says, choose. Why would you leave the sparkling clean water and go to this? But he's saying, just listen to me. Listen to me. 
This is where you have to give preference to a hadith, not a Qur'an. A hadith of the Prophet ﷺ over everything you are noticing, sensing, feeling, seeing, hearing. And you can imagine your children and your wife and your kids and your mom and dad and siblings pulling you. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? You lost your mind? Why are you going there? Everyone is going here. Why are you going on that side? To that river. But you will have to have that level of unwavering faith in Allah and in the hadith of Rasulullah that you will say that no. My Nabi has told me that if this options come, go to the crackling fire. But it's not going to be easy. That's why he said, close your eyes. And put your head down and put your mouth to the crackling fire and the flowing lava. And as soon as you do that, you will realize that it's all switched. The crackling fire and the flowing lava is actually beautiful crystal clear water. And the, crack, the beautiful crystal clear water, that is the crackling fire. Meaning, either you will realize that as soon as you put your mouth into it, or it means... That one will lead to Jannah, one will lead to Jahannam. That behind what you see is the, is the hidden Jannah, and behind the other one is the hidden Jahannam. But I think this is a really beautiful hadith that explains to what degree the challenge shall be. Why Rasulullah said the fitna of Dajjal is the greatest fitna that the humanity has ever seen. And every single prophet warned his nation from this. Because you will have to learn how to belie and do takdeeb of mushahada. Be able to belie what meets the eye, what your ears pick up, what your science teaches you, what knowledge teaches you, what human history teaches you, what your family tells you. Not easy. So those of us who already are skeptical about miracles, skeptical about hadith, skeptical about this or that, what's going to happen? For example, Dajjal is not mentioned clearly by name in the Qur'an. Okay? That's part of the fitna. That is part of the test. That is why you have loads of people today who belie Dajjal. And who says, nah, that's all, you know, this is a system, is Dajjal, like it was previously mentioned in the previous workshop, that this is Dajjal and that's Dajjal, or Dajjal is just a concept, or this hadith and it doesn't make sense, fulan, fulan. That's part of the confusion. When our Ustad asked us, when teaching us, Shabir Sahib, he said, give me an answer, why is Dajjal not mentioned in the Qur'an? Clearly, by name. Yes, he's alluded to, or other ayats and verses of the Qur'an, you know, that ulama say maybe Dajjal is, is, is alluded to in, in the tafsir of that. However, why is his name clearly not mentioned if he's the biggest fitna? That's a very good question. We looked, we looked, we looked. Next day we came, we couldn't find a proper answer. Some of us at least couldn't find it. And then he said, the answer he gave to us was that, it is part of the fitna. The fact that he's the greatest fitna is that his name is not mentioned in the Qur'an. Because to test your belief in Rasulullah to test your belief in the preservation of hadith, to test your belief in the sunnah of Rasulullah to test your belief in the miraculous knowledge of the future that Allah had given to the Prophet I remember I gave a khutbah some years ago in a masjid on Dajjal. Right after that, on the way out, I was wearing my shoes and walking out, and an uncle comes up to me and mockingly said, and I knew exactly what he wants to. He said, Quran ki kis ayat mein Dajjal ka zikr hai and I knew what he's getting at. He said, which ayah of the Qur'an is Dajjal mentioned? And I said, it is not mentioned. Acha, acha, tike. Okay, salam alaikum, right? He says, okay. Now I knew what he's trying to get at. He's trying to say like, who you're trying to fool us? He gave a whole khutbah on it that's not mentioned in the Qur'an. And then I said, brother, you don't need Dajjal. I, I think I, I told him that. I said, you don't need Dajjal. You've already fallen into the fitna. You already fall into the fitna. This exactly, you are already in the fitna of the fitna of Dajjal that will come before his arrival. Is that you are a hadith rejecter. A hadith rejecter, a believer only in the Qur'an. That's part of it. All of the fitna that's happening in the Middle East and other parts of the world, where the, the foundations of our faith are being attacked, and Islam is being completely rebranded 
where Rasulullah Sallallahu said yastahillun al-harir wal khamar that the silk will be made halal khamar will be made halal like liquor and wine but he said yusammunaha bighayr ismiha they will give it a new name what does that mean that means the rebranding of islam you have a rebranding of islam that is happening across not just america but across across the muslim world and how do they do that the first thing you do is you remove the fence around the quran which is Hadith. As soon as you poke holes in hadith and you create doubt within the minds of the people, ah, it's just hadith. Let's talk Quran, brother. Don't talk hadith. Done. As soon as you start doing that, that allows a person to sit there and literally come up with an entire different version of Islam than what Rasulullah left behind. What do Qadianis follow? What do the various brands of Shia, Shias follow? And everyone else in between. They're not in, in public if they come and they say, we reject Quran, everyone say, brother, get out of here. But that's why they don't do that. They will argue and debate with you using verses of the Qur'an. When it comes to hadith, then they say, oh, leave this, this was concocted, this will happen afterwards, this is all the other things. You see this fitna is spreading within our community. You have so many youth and so many young adults, and of course uncles as well, and you know, so forth, who sit there in weddings all around, and sit there and discuss, hadith leave this hadith, all of this, this, uh, this parvezi fitna we have, you have the ghamidi fitna, subhanAllah, all these other different fitna that are found, all these fitnas they flourish by removing hadith. And so understand that that's part of the end of the times fitan that we're dealing with. So now let's go back to the topic of this whole retreat. That the emphasis on miracles is, is not like, what are you talking about? Why are you? Honestly, this is what people say. Brother, we have crisis having open in there. And now you're sitting there talking about miracles. As he get then. Why are you speaking about miracles? Where we have crises are happening over there. You're speaking about uh, jinn and shayateen and how to protect yourself from evil eye. And they say, brother, you got to be with the times. Yeah. This is part of the, remember these words, the biggest trick the devil has played upon us is to make us believe he doesn't exist. The biggest trick the devil has played upon us is to make us believe he doesn't exist. What is Dajjal? Dajjal is the greatest agent of Iblis. And one of the, some of the ulama say, Dajjal is actually the the, the, the manifestation of Iblis on earth in the human form of some sort, human or whatever form but he will be either Iblis himself possessing Dajjal or one of the, of course the biggest, most strongest, powerful generals of, of Iblis so that aspect and that belief that what you're dealing with is the forces of evil must be very strong in every single person's mind that you, you cannot fight the forces of falsehood unless you understand what you're dealing with Otherwise, you and I will be deceived and will cave in. So speaking about the miracles of Nabi Wasallam and the miracles of the Sahaba as well is a very important part of our faith. What we're happening in this, what's happening in this retreat is something we must take home and carry. I remember when I, about 15, 18, 18 20 years ago, I was sitting in a masjid and there was a talk of a brother he was giving and he quoted in Arabic if I remember correctly Arabic but he was an Arab brother he would have known Arabic language and he quoted a hadith of if I remember correctly of Sahih Muslim and where Malakul Maut angel of death comes and he takes the life he, was, he comes to take the life of Nabi Musa Nabi Musa gets upset and he slaps him but when Malakul Maut came to take the life of Nabi Musa he came in the form of a human being alright so when he slaps him what happens the angel Malakul Maut's eyeball comes out so then Malakul Maut goes back to Allah and says, Ya Allah, who did you send me to? He slapped me and I've lost my eye. Naturally in the realm of angelic form, he hasn't. 
But in the form of humans, he has because he's now taken a form of a human. So now those uh, qualities of you know, human existence are present. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends him to go back and ask Musa how long you want to live and so forth. The hadith goes on. So I remember there was a Hafid al-Quran sitting next to me and he elbowed me, you know, and he sneered. And he said, what a joke. What a joke this hadith is, right? How could this be possible? So now he's Hafid al-Quran. He's sitting in the masjid listening to a talk on deen. But he has a hard time understanding and accepting that it is possible for this story to happen. This is the crux of the issue here. Where is this stemming from? Where is the skepticism coming from? It's coming from, honestly, you, it's coming from a weakness in faith. And ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ There's no doubt. Demands that if something is authenticated, yes, something is not authentic is a different thing. But when you have an authentic hadith of Sahih Muslim or a verse of the Qur'an, then you and I can't sit there and say, I can't grasp this, I can't understand it, it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't settle well with me. Your, for an issue to settle well with you, for you to grasp something, for you to be comfortable with something, is not the basis of truth. If Allah and His Rasul said something, that's what's true. You have the, this is exactly what you see in the Sahabiyat and the Sahaba, where a Sahabiyah comes and he says, Ya Rasulullah, where is my son? He went with you in the battle. Where is he? And the Prophet ﷺ responds that he is in Jannah right now. He became a shaheed. And now if he, she was very upset or, or anxious at the, at the loss of her son. So then Nabi ﷺ, I mean she was grieving rather I should say. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, If you so wish, I will ask Allah to unveil him for you so you can see him in paradise. And the response she gives is, No, I don't need you to ask Allah to unveil him because I believe in your words more than my own eyes. The gist of what she said. I believe in your words more than anything else. There are tens and tens of incidents like this where the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, what you say means more than anything else to us. Even our own senses could be wrong, but what you say cannot be wrong. That level of unwavering faith must, must, must exist in every one of us, in every son and daughter of the Ummah. Otherwise, we're going to be in big trouble. Big trouble. Because they will constantly, many times people say, brother, let's speak about some uh, agreeable, agreed upon things. What is agreed upon right now? That number of agreed upon things is getting smaller and smaller. By the way, miracles of the Prophet and miracles of the Sahaba and awliya, this is part of our aqidah. Any aqidah book you study, they will, any book on creed, they will have the fact that we have to believe in miracles and we have to believe karamatul awliya'i haqqun. That the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the miracles that happen at the hands of awliya are true. Why is it so? Why is it mentioned in the books? Because a person who becomes allergic at Amer- the story of Musa, okay, let's sit down and ask, what are you allergic about? Is it because of hadith of Sahih Muslim? What do you know about Sanad? What do you know about this, the science of hadith? To sit there and say, I think. You know, this hadith is weak. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's absolutely unacceptable for a person to sit there and critique who has no knowledge about anything. And on top of that, a hadith of Sahih Muslim. So that's done. So you have no, you're critiquing it not on the base of Sanad. Not on the base of its uh, you know, attribution to Rasulullah You're critiquing it based on your logic. But again, since when has the, your logic or the logic of the community and the acceptance of a community of a certain item or a certain belief has become... A reason how you or a means of judging whether something is acceptable or not. Talking about agreeable things, a Molana just told me that he was somewhere in the East Coast giving a talk and uh, he spoke about hijab. 
So some, someone messaged him along or left him a 10 minute voice message and said, please, when you address the larger crowds, please address things that we all agree upon. And that's something that's 100% fard. And what did he speak about? Hijab. Hijab. So my point is, our community's understanding of what's important, uh, as Mulana Rum uh, has mentioned in that beautiful, in his poetry, he gives an example of someone who went to go get a tattoo. And when to go get a tattoo, he asked him to get the tattoo of a lion. And the person said, come on, no problem, I'll give you a tattoo of a lion. When he laid him on, his, uh, on, on the bed to, and he started the old process, the classical process of taking pins and in, putting on ink and then injecting it or, or poking the body with that, with those needles filled with different colors of ink. And that's how they used to, I guess, do the process of tattooing. It hurt, naturally it hurts a lot. And so he jerked and he made a loud noise. He said, what is that? What are you doing? It's so hurtful. It's so painful. He said, I am drawing, I am, I'm, I am making a tattoo of a lion as you asked me. But he said, no, what part of the lion? He said, I am making uh, the, the, the tail. And all the way, he says, listen man, that tail is going to be long. I want a lion with a short tail, a stub. It's okay, leave the tail. He says, so stop from that side. So he started from the other side. Again, he jerked and he made a loud noise. He said, it's so painful. He said, what are you doing right now? He said, I'm doing his, his front legs, his paws. He said, no, my lion, he got in a fight. He lost one of his legs. <laughs> he says, after that, he says, he said, okay, what do you mean? He said, no, stop, leave the leg. Then he started on the other side of the, of the back and he started poking. He said, that hurts so much. What did you do? He said, I'm working on the mane, the big mane. He said, no, no, this is a female lion. This is a lioness. Doesn't have a mane. So the guy said, I don't know whether you want a lion or lioness, get out of my, my office here, right? Get out of my parlor here. You, you, you say you want a lion, but you don't have the ability to handle anything. Right? Go from here. What are you talking about? If you cannot handle the pain, why do you ask me to tattoo a lion on your back? And so Allama Rumi gives this example of deen. That people say they want to go to Jannah. People say they want to be a follower of Rasulullah People say they want to follow like, and be like the Sahaba. People say they want to drink from the Hawda Kawthar. People say we want to be raised under the banner of Rasulullah But when it comes to doing anything, they say, not this, but not that. This is only Sunnah. This is only Mustahab. This is only Mu'akkadah. This is Ghair Mu'akkadah. This is once in a while, it's, it's just Fard. But you know, Allah knows, Allah knows my intentions. Allah knows my weakness. Allah knows my this, that. So you've got, what do you got left of the deen then? When it comes to financial transactions, zero. When it comes to akhlaq, zero. When it comes to ibadah, zero. When it comes to our dealings with one another, zero. What's left? What is left at the end? If every single thing is up for discussion. So now music, no, you can't speak about that. Mixed gatherings, you can't speak about that. Dancing, you can't speak about that. Pictures and movies, you can't speak about that. Subhanallah, what else? Uh, you know, uh, hijab, you can't speak about that. Halal, oh, you can, of course you can't speak about that. So what is left, my friends? Every aspect of the deen, say this is controversial. Let's not get controversial. Huh? Let's not get controversial. Let's just speak about agreed upon things. Pretty soon, salah. I mean, go, go to the places where you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, loads of Muslims, even right now, protests, and, 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 and things that I feel we should definitely exercise our right to uh, protest and in a proper manner. But brothers, don't miss your Jummah. Don't miss your Dhuhr Salah. Right? That, where, what's going on with that? So you're seeing this ajib imbalance that you sit with people who are passionate about Muslim welfare and Muslim well-being. But when it comes to the very fundamental aspect of our deen, which Rasulullah said is the differentiating factor between a Muslim and a kafir. What the Prophet said, you should, if you want to attack a town, make sure you wait till Fajr time and see if the adhan is called to know if there's Muslims in that town or not. 
If there's no Muslims, then the adhan will not be called. People will not go. Then you have to do what you got to do. But if there's adhan called, you know that they might be hidden Muslims. It's not possible for a Muslim to be in a town and the adhan of Fajr is not being called and people are not praying Fajr Salah. So that is what Salah is for us. But let's go involve, find out in, in, in various communities where, who are very involved in politics, people who run for office. Say, hey, Shaykh, we want to hand out flyers. I said, no problem. Whatever you got to do, you make mashar with the board and this, that, whatever. But please, if you want to run for, for government of any sort, I want you to understand you're not going to win this election just by flyers. You're not going to win this election by just this stuff. Along with that, why don't you have an arm and a wing of your supporters who focus on adhkar, who focus on a'mal, who fast on Mondays and Thursdays, who fast every other day. Have a dedicated group of people who will wake up for tahajjud. Have a dedicated group of people who do salawat. Why not? Why can't you run for, 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 for position in, in the government of whatever sort, but then you bring deen in it? That's how we succeed. We're not like the rest. We do things differently. But this is where you hit the wall. This is where you hit the wall. People say, what are you talking about? But then how are we different from everyone else? So we are now faced at a, in a very interesting, sad situation where every single thing is now discussed, presented as controversial, not agreed upon. You go put on WhatsApp groups, brother, let's, let's start showing up for Fajr. Kunut Nazila is taking place. How many people will say, okay, I'm there, right? How many people will say, okay, this is important? They'll say, let's talk about agreed upon things. Pretty soon, nothing's gonna be agreed upon. So my beloved friends, the discussion of miracles is something very important. What I said, go back to this. If someone says, I, am, I don't like hearing these stories. They're just stories. Ask him, what is the reason you're feeling allergic? What is the reason you're feeling uncomfortable? Is it to do because of the authenticity of the hadith? No, because you have no knowledge about this. What is it? It's the fact that it has to do, it's not normal. It goes against the norms. That's what exactly what America was supposed to be, by the way. So no, what are you, what are you, what are you um, intrigued about? Or what are you skeptical about? Are you skeptical that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is incapable of allowing His Prophet to have a miracle? Are you feeling skeptical that Allah is incapable of having a companion or a latter-day scholar or a latter-day pious person of even today to have a miracle? If you're skeptical about the qudra and the power of Allah, our iman is gone. Gone. How can we? How can we? If there is, a, if there is an incident that's written in the books of Rasulullah's hand coming out of a grave to shake the hands of a poet. Okay? Ask yourselves, is this, is, you don't have to believe in it. But if there is something there, if this authentic, then on the basis, just because it doesn't make sense to you to say that cannot happen, is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Whether it is a, a, a authentically rigorated um, historical narration or not, it's a different story. You could say that. Basis, the basis of this, I'm not content completely with the historical narration of its authenticity. We don't, I have no issue with that. But once, if it's if beyond that, if you say, no, I have a problem with it being possible, this is where I have a problem. Because that tells us that our iman is now, unfortunately, not where it needs to be. You and I have to be able to say, Allah can do anything He wants. Mumkin al-wujud. Anything that is possible in existence, Allah can do it. Allah, in Allah, ala kulli shay'in qadir. That's the whole ayah, kam fiyatin qalila, ghalabat fiyatin kathira, bi'ithnillah. How many times are a few, a group of few people who with the will and the permission of Allah, they outdo and they overpower a large group. That's exactly, what is a concept of barakah? That with a hundred dollars you do a thousand dollar worth of stuff. What is a concept of sadaqah? That you give in the name of Allah and Allah is giving you more than you've given. What is that? 
All of this stuff requires belief in the unseen. All of this stuff requires belief in the miracles. My beloved friends, we don't stop at the miracles of the Prophet. I told you part of our aqidah is miracles of the pious people, awliya. Not just sahaba, awliya. That's part of our faith. And now I'll tell you something very interesting. The ulama write that the miracle of every wali and every sahabi, of course, in reality is an extension of the miracle of the Prophet. Why is that so? It's because no wali, no wali, no sahabi can actually perform a miracle unless and until he is a follower, a true follower of Rasulullah The only reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing a miracle to happen at his hands is because he's a true follower of Rasulullah Otherwise, this is something else. This is a hypnosis. This is magic trick, fake magic trick, or something else. This is some istidraj. This is irhas. There's a whole bunch of other words for that. It's not a karama. It's not karama. If you have a person who, is, who doesn't pray, who is najis, who doesn't fast, he says, I'm a baba, I'm a sheikh, I don't need to do that stuff. And then he flies. You can call him a magician, but you cannot call him a wali. That's not called karama. This is not called karama. We don't get, we do not get impressed by any baba, by any grave worshiper, by any sajada nasheen, someone who is holding on to a, a dargah, where people come and do sajda at the grave. And he says, I'm a person of miracles. Or some raqi, amil, uh, and whatnot in, in some streets of Lahore or Karachi, who says, watch me, I do these miracles. We don't fall for that. If you don't have sunnah, we're not gonna, we, our conversation ends right here. There's no reason for us to be speaking about, forget about being impressed. If someone doesn't have sunnah in his life, game over. Because this is shaitaniyat. That, that shaitan is the one who is who's the greatest magician. Dajjal is the greatest magician. We're not impressed by just supernatural things. No. We will only be impressed by supernatural things that happen at the hands of someone who is a follower of the Sunnah of Rasulullah. But Yadrna, our Ustad, Hazrat Mona Abbas, Abdamad Barakatu, Maddadilluhul Ali, who, mashallah, I'm so honored to call as my teacher. Yesterday, he sent me a six minute voice message from Masjid al Nabawi on the day of Jum'ah, making dua for all of you. Making dua for this Sira conference, making dua for all the volunteers, for the students, for the musallis, for the participants. And subhanAllah, the way he told me, he said, I'm at this gate number facing the qibla. It's at the blessed day of Jummah. I have just finished reading salawat upon the Prophet, and I'm making dua for all of you. SubhanAllah. So Azam Abbas, I remember he would say, he would say it in his nice manner. He would say, Al istiqamatu fawqa al fikarama. That steadfastness on deen is higher in degree than even a thousand miracles. Deen pe pabandi. Deen pe istiqamat. That 40 years, a person hasn't left the front row. There are, mashallah, people like this around. Not even ulama, just our elders. They're around. 40 years, they prayed in the front row. 40 years, they haven't missed the Hajjit Salah. 40 years, they have attended, a, they've taught a halaqa of ilm every single day. What are those? This is called istiqamah. Have they flown across the, the sky? No, they have not. Have they have endless money coming out from their pocket? No, they have not. Do they just put their hands on people and they get shifa? No, they have not. Oh, then where's the miracle? The miracle is that have you ever seen the misfajr salah in 30 years? No matter what time they sleep, no matter what time they do what? Have you ever missed them missing their tasbih after any salah? Have you ever seen them miss their miswak? Have you ever seen them miss their athkar before entering the masjid, before entering the home, before eating? Never. 
These are people, no matter what happens, their sunnah never comes out of their life. So this is what the beautiful statement would say, that steadfastness on deen is a miracle greater than a thousand miracles. We are not an ummah that idolizes miracles. We're not an ummah that goes searching for miracles. We're not an ummah that says, oh, I will not believe in this shaykh and in this scholar until he gives me a miracle. A'udhu billah. We have people who say, I'm going to go to such and such country or such and such city to go visit the shaykh. Oh, mashallah. What's the... And I'm going to go sit in front of the shaykh and then he will tell me what's in my heart and what my problems are and what I need to do in the future. And then I'll get bay'ah to him. I hear this literally from the most educated people. Allah, I was just like, like, what, like what's going on, man? What are you talking about? You are, I thought you were a samajdar, aqalman, smart, intelligent guy. What, who is a shaykh who sits there and just tells you what's in your heart and says he sees your future and he's, you know, this, that. This is a big problem. We have a lot of people who go for ruhani treatment, so-called spiritual treatment of their soul. Or they have the shaitani, jinnati, mas business where shaitan is messing around with their life. And then they go to some random baba. And who is filled with najasa who hasn't taken a bath for, for days and weeks, who hasn't prayed salah, and they go tell him and say, can you please tell me, You're like these fortune tellers and card, uh, tarot card readers and hand readers, this type of stuff, you have these babas all around. And females too, by the way. Female magicians are filled up in Pakistan and India and in Sudan and in, in Africa and all different other places as well. Our community more and more are going to such people. You don't know this. I know this because I, every day I have two, three cases like this. Right? People coming to me. And so our community, subhanAllah, like what are you doing? You're just WhatsApping, texting this person, and he says, okay, send me some hair clippings, and send me, send me this, and I'll read something, and she'll come back to you, and I'll read something, he'll come back to you, and I'll do this and that. Aqeedah, our aqeedah is completely getting corrupted. Because we are being misguided, we don't have sunnah in our life. Sunnah in our life. Our ustads have taught us, no raqi, no amil. That's, there is proper, there's proper ruqya. Honestly, there's proper ruqya, 100%. But understand that the greatest ruqya is your turqah salatul hajjah and sunnah. If a person is not regular in the masjid, then all the ruqyahs of the world are useless. That's why our mashayikh, whenever they would give wirth, because our desi people, they love taweez, they love koi zikr de dobai, koi yikuch karlo. They love that. Okay, no problem. We know how to use it. So that's why our mashayikh would say, you want to have a problem? You want a zikr to do? Special, special zikr? Okay. This special zikr will work. But it will only work if you, after your fajr salah in the masjid, Right? After the, if you, but what, can I pray after Zohar? No, I don't work after Zohar. No, no. What if I pray Fajr at home? You got to repeat another 41 days. 41 days in the masjid. You got to give 41, 31. If you just say forever, it's not going to work. You have to give it a nice number, right? 41 days in the masjid. After Fajr, Jamaat, you read this, this will work. MashaAllah, whether the ruqya he read it or not, the fact that he gets up and comes to the masjid for 41 days, you can expect his life is going to change. This is Qari Siddiq Bandwi rahmatullahi alayhi. And many other ulama of ours of the past and now as well, whenever they give a wazifa or an amal, they would always link it to fad salah. Notice, Hakim Akhtar Sahib rahmatullahi alayhi, Murabra al-Haq Sahib rahmatullahi alayhi. All of them say, Farz namaz ke baad, ye dua parayin. Farz namaz ke baad, read after farz namaz. Because they want the ummah to come unto a'mal. They want the ummah to come unto sunnah. They want the ummah to come on faraid. Instead of running around doing this and doing that, but we have neglect faraid. How is that going to happen? So karama is something that's part of our deen, but it's not something we go chasing after. We don't judge a scholar based on his miracles. Agar hogya, if it happens, mashallah, great. And if it doesn't happen, we're not going to say, I've been praying Fajr Salah for, uh, for not 40 days, for 400 days, and I still haven't found a bag and a wad of cash in my car when I go back to the, my car after Fajr. Because we're not, we're not doing it for karama. 
It may happen. Something may come your way. But the key thing why it's still important to discuss is because it is, if a person doesn't believe in it, then it's bringing weakness into our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudra and power. This is what I'm speaking about. And so, Sahaba radiallahu anhum wa arda, what did they show? That they were followers of Sunnah. And because of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed hundreds and thousands of miracles to happen at their hands. Because why? Not for the sake of it, to do a uh, magic show, but because they needed it. Right? They needed it. You only pull out, 007 only pulls out his gadgets, not to show, uh, to show the crowd, I'm 007. He does it only when he's about to, he has to cross the, he has to what? Jump over the bridge that is broken, or whatever else. He's running away from the enemy or chasing the enemy. He, does, he pulls out his gadget when he needs to. Not to just impress the people. If anything, he tries to hide his identity. What well, the Sahaba radiallahu anhu they didn't sit there just doing magic tricks. It was when they turned to Allah. Ya Allah, I'm stuck in this situation. I need your help. What is the situation? Ala al-Hadrmi is in Bahrain. The army is in front. They're, they are ahead. They're chasing the enemy. And now you have a huge sea in front. He asked, any of you neglecting sunnah? No. Everyone, anyone come any major sins? No, let's go. Bismillah. And they jump into the sea. They cross the sea, get to the other side. Even the hooves of the animals haven't gotten wet. Right? Because they're on Sunnah. Safina, the freed slave of Rasulullah is in northern Africa. He has been separated from, from the army. He's now caught up in a jungle in Africa. He's not, he doesn't know where the companions are. He goes and he, a lion comes up. And he makes a declaration. He says, "Ana Rasulu Rasulillah. I am a messenger of the messenger of Allah. Listen, don't mess with me. I am the messenger. I'm the only reason I'm in Africa. I didn't come here to, to, to just come chasing materialism. I came here as a messenger of the messenger of Allah. I am lost. He spoke to the lion. I am lost. I need you to guide me. What happens? It comes in the, in, in Dala'il al of, of, of Imam Bayhaqi and in Hayat al-Sahaba right here, the book I have open in front of me. He guided him. The, 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 the lion stood in front, wagged his tail, and walked. It started walking. And any type of predatory animal that chose to try to peek out from the right or the left, the lion would roar at him. Until the lion took him to meet the army. Umar radiallahu anhu's famous hadith. He's giving khutbah from the mimbar. In the midst of the khutbah in Madinah al-Munawwara, all of a sudden, a he screams out, Ya Sariya, Ya Sariya al-Jabal. And the, the, the people are sitting there, listening to the crowd. They don't understand. Like, what's happening? This has nothing to do with the conversation, the khutbah. What's happening? He calls out a name of a random companion who's not present. And he says, the mountain, the mountain. A month later, the expedition that was sent out from Medina comes back. And then they asked, they said, what happened? They said, we were in the thick of war. And we were uh, 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 almost you know, uh, uh, ambushed by the enemy. When all of a sudden, Miraculously, the wind delivered the voice of our Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar al-Khattab. And he was his voice to the army's general, Sariya radiallahu anhu, that the mountain, the mountain was heard. And the Amir, he turned around towards the mountain and he saw that the enemy was planning an ambush from the back. And alhamdulillah, we were able to change our direction and the course of the battle changed and we won the battle. A month later, they came back to Medina and informed Umar radiallahu anhu. What happened? The voice became subjugated to the Sahaba because they were followers of the Sunnah doing the work of the Prophets. 
The animals of the jungle became subjugated to the Sahaba because they were following the Sunnah work, doing the work of the Prophets. The ocean was subjugated to the Sahaba because they were following the Prophet and doing the work of the Prophets. And then you have the story of Tamim Dari. Umar tells Tamim Dari, go and I, there's a, there is a volcano happening. Imagine subhanAllah, today if we, say, we tell one of the students or one of you, hey man, I just heard there's a, a mouse running around. Can you please take care of it? Ah, not me. A mouse? <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? Let's, let's, we can't. How can we handle a mouse? Here you have Amir al-Mu'min Umar saying, there is a volcanic eruption starting. There's lava flowing out. Can you please go take care of it? What am I supposed to do? Go take care of it. He says, Ya, ya Amir al-Mu'min, I can't. He orders him. I am telling you, you speak on my behalf. You speak on my behalf and you go tell the fire to go back. What? He says, just go speak on my behalf. He goes and he begins to, the fire is coming out. And uh, Tamim Dari says, I've been sent by Umar. I've been sent by Umar. And he's asked me to tell you, you go back into the crater that you have come from. Go back into the cave that you have come from. And he slowly, literally the way you push a, a, a roaring dog back, who is somehow intimidated by you, he literally pushes the fire back in. Into, back right into the cave or the volcano or mountain where it had come from. The fire serving a sahabi or the sahaba who were following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and who were working in line with the Prophet ﷺ's message. You'll, you'll see subhanAllah, all these forces, beloved friends, I mean there are multiple stories, they have hundreds of pages here, literally this book here, hundreds of pages of miracles of sahaba radiallahu anhu Shaykh Yusuf al-Kandalwi rahmatullah Hayatul Sahaba, which is found in English, of course, in Urdu, and the original book is a collection of hadith in Arabic. But much of this is taken from Dalai al-Nubuwa of Imam Bayhaqi, as well as other books. It's powerful to read. What does that tell you? That tells you that the help of Allah, the hidden help of Allah, the, the hidden gadgets that just marvel you, are available at our disposal today as well. Because we're not prophets, and nor were Sahaba were prophets. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assisted them. And today, when we are faced with so many obstacles and so many problems across the globe of the highest degree, we need the help of Allah. We need miracles to happen. And those miracles will not happen by neglecting fard salah, by listening to music, by not following the rules of hijab, by eating haram meat, by not following the sunnah, and by following the ways and the means of others. Will not happen. Nabi alayhi that same Palestine that we're crying about today. All of, what an amazing story. When uh, Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah radiallahu anhu is, has arrived at the outskirts of, of Quds, and, he's, and he says, let's enter. And the, 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 the monks say, we're ready to give up this entire holy land to you without any bloodshed, without a fight. Wow. Yes. But we ask you that your Amir, he needs to come here. But our Amir is all the way in Medina. No problem. We'll wait. You wait. We're ready to give up without a fight. We're ready to give the keys willingly. But he needs to come here. So they send, send a message. No text message. A, a horse goes all the way, you know, a horse rider back to Medina. And he comes. And Umar radiallahu anhu, famous story, but what a beautiful, beautiful story. He is with his servant coming back and coming to Medina. But now, look at Amir al-Mu'mineen, Allahu Akbar. He loves not only his servant, but he also loves his horse. And he says, we cannot oppress the horse by having both of us ride it at the same time for such distances. So we'll have to take turns. We'll have to take turns. And I'm not going to make you walk while I'm on, on the horse the whole time. So, or on the conveyance. So they take turns until now they're arriving closer to the outskirts of Medina, uh, to uh, uh, Baytul Maqdis, the outskirts of Al-Aqsa and the sacred precinct. And subhanAllah, he said, 
um, the, the, the ser- it was the servant's t- t- turn to, to ride. The servant said, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, although it's my turn to ride, it is not befitting for this to happen. I mean, you're the Amir al-Mu'mineen. They want to see you. How can I be riding this? And he, he got upset at his servant. He said, how dare you? I will not allow any change in the order. It's your turn to ride. You must ride. They arrive at the Muslim army's camp. Uh, uh, the Amir Abu Ubaidah is there. And, and uh, uh, he says, um, uh, 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 in some, there are two different narrations here. He says, okay, we're going to go meet the monks now. They're ready to meet us. They're eagerly waiting for Allah Alam how many days. Uh, he said, let's go. And so he asks, Amir al-Mu'mineen, how about you, just come from, from your journey, how about you change your clothes? How about you change your clothes? This is an official delegation we're meeting. This is a big day for the Muslims. And according to some other narrations, there was a, um, a stream, a stream, small stream, that they had to cross over. And so, Umar anhu is with his chief general, and he takes off his shoes, because he didn't want his shoes to get wet. And he puts his shoes on his shoulder, Amir al-Mu'mineen. And he walks barefoot through the stream. At this, the general of the Muslim army says, Amir al-Mu'mineen, you're Umar, you're the Amir al-Mu'mineen. What are you doing? Why are you putting your shoes and your slippers on your shoulders and walking barefoot through the stream? Or in the other case, why are you, with, why are you have such disheveled clothes? Can you please change before we go? And at this, state, at this moment, he said his very famous powerful statement that we are a group of people. نَحْنُ قَوْمًا we are a group of people who were disgraced. Such level of disgrace that no one wanted to even rule us. We're the most unruly, unruly people that no one wanted to rule us. And at that time, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna kunna We were the most disgraced people. Allahu bil Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored us only through Islam. Only through following the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu Whenever we will choose to seek honor by any means other than that which Allah has initially given us honor, Allah will disgrace us. Allah will disgrace us. Allah will disgrace us anytime we choose any other means of honor. And then he says to him, I wish someone else besides you had said this to me. I would have made him, a, I, I, would have, I would have punished him in such a manner that I would have made him, a, made him a lesson for the rest of the Muslims. But since you are been labeled as Aminu Hadil Ummah, the most just of this Ummah by Rasulullah Sallallahu I'm going to keep my hands off of you. Because how dare you say something which seems to be coming from a, vant, from a viewpoint of weakness and meekness. Right? From weakness and weakness. You have to have complete, you have to have complete trust in our deen. My friends, this is such an important place to end our talk on. That today, we have over 55 Muslim countries. Billions and billions of dollars in GDP. Right? Across. We have nuclear weapons. We have fighter jets. We have everything. Everything you can imagine. Multi-million dollar yachts, multi-million dollar private jets. What do we not have? The Muslim community in this country, the Muslim community in the West, as well as 55 plus Muslim countries. How has that helped Islam today? How is that helping Islam in the past months, weeks, years that we are suffering all over? Today I spoke extensively about this in the post-Fajr talk. And if you, if you found this beneficial as a starter, please do listen to that as well in the morning when I spoke about this in much more detail. This, is a, this hadith is subhanAllah ought to be written with a, you know, as they say, with gold. 
this statement of Umar anhu. We need to stop suffering from an inferiority complex. We need to stop thinking that if we don't swallow and the, the spit of, of the others, and if we do not dr- uh, think, start thinking and acting like the non-Muslims, that we will never be honorable. This is the reason we are suffering a disgrace. For Allah's sake, may Allah allow us to wake up and understand that honor will only come through the sunnah. If you want a miracle today, Allah is waiting. Allah is waiting. Allah will show you a miracle. He is showing. There are thousands of people who are showing. And Allah is showing miracles, subhanAllah, in all of these war-torn countries. That's the only reason they're still alive. There's only, that's the only reason, subhanAllah, they're still alive. Today I just saw a clip, subhanAllah, shocked me. A man comes out under a rubble. Maybe many of you have seen it. A man comes out from under rubble of an entire apartment building. He says, there's eight people have come out. Eight people from here have gone to the hospital. He said, how many people were in this building? He said, about 200. 200 were, were in this building. I don't know where they are right now. But then he, he yells out to everyone. And he says, you can throw whatever you want. But he, he has a shirt torn. He said, I've come out from under the rubble. I've come up from under the, uh, under the rubble. We don't, we're not scared by anything. We're, you all and I are scared by little mice. If one mouse were to come here, we'll run. One little spider will come here, we'll run. And here you have people who have an entire apartment complex demolished. 180 people possibly dead inside. Subhanallah. And a man stands there and says, what he says, he ends his clip. He said, Wallahi, I'm gonna sleep right here tonight. I'm not moving. If you tell me that's not a miracle, what's a miracle? Where do you get this level of strength? Where do you get this level of hope? That's a miracle. And there's people here watching stuff and saying, I'm scared as anything. And I just got upset at someone who said that to me right before the talk. What do you mean you get scared? Over there, the people who are actually facing the barrage of weapons, barrage of, of, of thousands of pound bombs, subhanAllah, they're not scared. And you sitting here in the Sierra conference said, oh, I read something, I got scared? This is shaitan putting fear in your hearts. Stop reading things unnecessarily. Stop watching things for no reason. Use this time of an awa- to make this a moment of reflection and awakening. If we don't have the habit of performing salah in the masjid, I beg all of us to please start coming to the masjid. Please bring your sons to the masjid. Please bring your teenagers to the masjid. Please wake them out of the beds and start coming. Start performing salah in the masjid. Spend 5-10 minutes after salat al-isha or fajr. Don't run from the masjid. Sit and do your dhikr. Sit and recite Qur'an. Sit and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only in the masjid, but in our homes. If we truly care about the plight of Muslims, then our masajid need to fill up. Our dhikr beads need to come out. The amount of time we sit and read Qur'an must increase. And the amount of time we are in our musallah with our hands raised, begging Allah for mercy, must increase. And I promise you, as soon as this ummah will bring sunnah in his life, then we will once again immediately be able to start witnessing the miracles similar to the miracles that were found during the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum wa Because Allah has not changed. We have changed. Nature hasn't changed. We have changed. As soon as we revert back to the teachings of Rasulullah and follow the footsteps of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum wa we will once again regain every single thing that they had. I ask Almighty Allah Azza wa Jal that He do not allow these words to fall on my deaf ears or your deaf ears, but He allows it to truly penetrate into my heart, into your heart, and truly brings within me and all of us here a genuine awakening and a de- burning desire to become a follower of Rasulullah sunnah and a believer in the miracles of Nabi sallallahu in the miracles of the Sahaba and the miracles of every follower of Sunnah of Rasulullah and I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows us to witness and allows the Ummah to witness miracles in all of those places where the Muslim Ummah is being hit and let them see with their own very eyes Allah's hidden help 
descending and delivering the ummah from the difficulties they're in. Subhanallah, bihamdihi, subhanakallah, bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een, bi rahmatika ya arhamur rahimeen, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Adhan, inshallah, for salat al-maghrib can take place. Jazakumullahu khayram, mufti sam, for those powerful words. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to make amal upon whatever was said. Inshallah, we will now be breaking for Salatul Maghrib. After Salatul Maghrib, Inshallah, we'll have a very special tilawah by visiting Qadi Abdul Basit Sab, and that will be followed by dinner, Inshallah. Inshallah, we can proceed forward. The brothers who are in the back, if you can please move forward, move, move, move towards the front, so we can make as much space as, as we can for those who are still outside and in the lobby. Jazakumullahu khairan.